For instance, I have lenders that will look at the after repair value. That's key. That if, if they're comfortable to see that you're going to be profitable once you buy it. Welcome to the Right Club Podcast, where the focus is on helping you, the real estate investor, advance to the next level. And now let's join this week's hosts and share ways for you to customize your life. Hello, Right Club Nation. It's Laurel Simmons here. Before we get started, I wanted to ask you a quick question. Have you checked out our online community yet? I really hope you do because our online community is a place where you can find lots of education, training, and information about real estate investing and about general business. Plus, it's a great place to network with like-minded people. We have interactive forums, all our podcast episodes, and tons of videos about a wide range of topics. It's free to join, so be sure to come grow with us at therightclub.com. Now, on with our podcast. Welcome back, Right Club community, to another episode of the Right Club podcast. I'm Alfonso Slebby, and today I am with Sarah Larby. How are you, Sarah? I'm doing awesome. How are you, buddy? I am doing great, doing great, feeling good. It, uh, it's a new month. We're, uh, well, geez, we're a week into the new month of, uh, of February. We have an amazing podcast with, uh, with Susan Flanagan today from Private Money for Mortgages. So we're going to have a great chat with her. A lot of things coming up. You know, it seems like January just flew by. Uh, a lot of events, a lot of things going on with the Right Club. Yeah, what are you excited about? What are you looking forward to the next uh, few weeks, few months? What's what's going on? My, I'm, I'm actually planning a retreat at the resort that I'm building out in August. It's going to be August 9th, 10th, and 11th. So there may or may not be tickets. I don't know at, at what point this is going to air. I know we're probably like a couple months out of, uh, of recording, but send me a message, sarah at sarahlarby.com. If you are interested or Instagram uh, investor, Sarah Larby, but that is what I'm working on. I'm excited about the developments. Uh, what about you, Alfonso? Yeah, we have, uh, yeah, we've set our goals at, uh, at JAG. We have, we want to get 60 new projects on the go this year. We, uh, we have surpassed the 200 mark. Now we're well on our way to way more, you know, to 300, 400 and continue to go on. Our team keeps growing. So it's, it's amazing. I can't, you know, I think at the time of this, we officially employ 10 team members at JAG property. So it's incredible as our teams continue to grow. So yeah, if people want more information to, to help somebody get into home ownership, if you're a professional, looking to help those people. It's a really tough market these days, but you know, we're still bringing on deals and, and bringing on projects and definitely, yeah, if you're looking to invest some of that money and that's what we're going to talk about today, how you can invest some of your money, how you can borrow some money to, to get into your deals. And, uh, and Susan is a great wealth of knowledge for that. She's been a longtime supporter of the right club. Uh, she's helped out so many of our members and just is such a sweetheart of a person gives it to you the truth and, uh, and gives it to you, you know, what you need to hear, not necessarily what you want to hear, what you need to hear and uh, that's what this conversation is all about today yeah absolutely and don't forget to leave a rating and review if you do enjoy these podcasts and check us out at therightclub.com and if you want to check out our events online and uh what we are up to forward slash events but uh on that note let's bring in susan susan welcome to the show how are you 
I am excellent. Good, How are good. You doing? We were just uh, talking a little bit before uh, before we pressed record, and it's definitely been a while. And last time you came on, it was prior to the pandemic, and obviously things have changed quite a bit. And even just from a, a private lending perspective, a private borrowing perspective, there's just probably a lot of changes that we could talk about. So we're happy to have you back uh, to give us an update of of what's happening <laughs> these days. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm excited to share because lots has changed. Uh, in the last so couple maybe of years. Before we do talk so, about the changes, yeah. if you could just share your background. I mean, you've been on the show, uh, you know, a few times now, but if you could just share a little bit of, of what it is that you do so that everybody's on the same page. Okay. Um, well, first and foremost, I'm an investor, just like everybody else. I've been investing for many, many years. Um, and along the way, I started lending my own money um, <clears throat> out there to different people for mortgages. And then it snowballed that it just, it snowballed that then I got my license. And as a broker now, this is all I do. And I now have my own brokerage. Um, and it's private money for mortgages. And I only specialize in private lending now. So, but I still use private money for my deals as well. So I'm on both sides. Can I ask just like on average, like where in 2020, you know, the average rates are today? Um, well, they haven't changed a whole lot, okay, in the private space, um, because, I, I mean, pretty well, first mortgages, I mean, you can hear uh, numbers out there that, oh, you can get a first mortgage as low as, say, 6%, um, but at the end of the day, those ones that are a lower interest rates usually have mm -hmm. a higher fee attached to them, so generally speaking, you're going to be seeing between 7 and 10%. Second mortgage is between nine and sky's the limit, but for ones that aren't too risky, say about 13%, um, sometimes we can get a second at eight even. But, it, uh, but what's changed a lot is maybe not the interest rates, mm. but more of the terms that people can, because uh, as I try and tell people all the time, don't get hung up on the interest rate. Because especially when you're using private money, it's for right. short-term needs. And, you know, those are annual rates. So That's things not like a monthly being rate. able to have no prepayment no. penalty or, you know, the upfront costs and all of that stuff. I mean, I think it's probably very similar to like even a mortgage, right? Like who cares about the rates, you know, whether it's 2.5, 2.6, yeah. but what are the, with the flexibility, what are the terms? So let's, let's talk about that then. Like what has... Uh, change with, yeah. you know, just everything as a whole in addition to, uh, you know, the, the the terms or what the terms are? Well, first off, I have to say a lot of lenders now, um, some of the bigger lenders, especially in the private space, they have learned to recognize that real estate investors are a big deal. Like they, uh, that we as investors can bring them lots of business if they will treat us properly of our needs, right? So I'll use, mm -hmm. say, doing a flip. Um, the Usually the biggest deal that's important to, to you that you don't have as much cash uh, to lay out up front, right? That you maybe even could, uh, if you can't balloon your payment at the end, that maybe you could do partial payments, Um that lender things like lender fees could get uh, capitalized into the mortgage, um, that there is no prepayment penalty like you just mentioned. Like there's lots of things. And so what I have been able to 
to do over these last few years here is go, okay, let's, let's negotiate with these guys. You want more business? Do you want investors? These are great people because they're going to be repeat, mm-hmm. repeat, repeat if you can bring them good terms. And so I'm constantly doing that with the lenders. So there's no cookie cutter, but, but there are some lenders that have a cookie cutter program. I'm I'm interested to know why that changed. I mean, obviously, you know, we talk to each other. We are a short, like we are like, you know, I, I always say we're like one degree of separation from each other. We always know somebody that knows the other person that we're referring to. So we are a tight knit community, but what changed? Like, why did they, you know, did they not care about working with investors before or, um, you know what? I think I I'm backing it up. I think because they've recognized investors mm-hmm. are educated now. I mean, in the past, there's been because the private space has always been the wild west, right? If anything goes, um, there's been people out there. They they just throw mud at the wall. They borrow what they can't. Like they have not had a proper game plan. They haven't looked at all the facts, but. Put, for the fact that people like yourself are out there educating people, right? The right club, educating people. So, so it, um, lenders are now recognizing that, okay, I'm a little more comfortable to lend on, let's talk about the after repair value versus how it, you know, the present value of the property, mm-hmm. things like that. There's just, um, I mean, I, I got to tell you, when I started lending my own money, and looking for private money, I was hard pressed to find it and to find people to lend to. So, and that, I mean, I'm talking in the early 2000s. So, so we've had time for private money to become mm-hmm. more mainstream. And, and I feel like now private money is so much easier to get. I, I almost think easier to get than even two years ago. It's just everywhere and everybody's got, you know, money, whether it's registered funds or, or just cash and they want to you know, make a, make a return on it. Or we've got, you know, bigger companies that are doing this, uh, you know, as a business. But, but I think right now we have a deal issue, right? Where it's hard to find deals. There's not a lot of inventory. What are you seeing? You know, obviously you're seeing deals come through, but what are, are, you know, people lending on these days? For real estate investors, mainly flips and the burst strategy is our now, however, having said that I'm doing ones that are like higher priced ones, uh, your multifamilies, even commercial ideas, because it's still the same story happens that you can get a deal closed much quicker, much easier with private money. So a lot, so in order to get the deal, so there's the other part of it, you have to be able to pull the trigger right away with knowing your financings in place and be able to maybe close very quickly so people are turning to private money first, even though they could qualify at the bank in the beginning. They're, they just want to get it under contract and then they'll look at refinance after. Um, but yeah, for the most part, uh, investors still doing the burr strategy and flips. Um, but right now, too, the other thing that's happening, a lot of people are looking at uh, wanting to refinance um as quickly as possible so they're doing things like taking out a second mortgage on a property clean up their their credit and so forth and then doing the refinance to pay it out we're going to take a quick break from the show right club nation just want to take a quick moment here and introduce you to private money for mortgages which is a mortgage brokerage 
And the great thing about private money for mortgages is if you are looking to do a flip or a burr or something that requires a little bit more work where you might not get traditional bank financing, a great opportunity to still acquire that property is with private money. So private money is going to be at some point in your journey a necessary tool for you or maybe somebody that you know, another investor to build your portfolio and knowledge is key. You can book a discovery call with Susan and her team to learn why, how, and when to use private mortgages in your real estate journey. You can visit their website, which is privatemoneyformortgages.com. And there's a free guide to private mortgages that you can get there. And also Susan can help you with a vetting process. So when you are looking at properties, whether it's a flip property or a burr property, they can assist you with finding different financing options for these types of purchases. And again, it could come with a higher cost. Most likely it will because it's private money, but if it is executed properly with a proper exit, that is going to be key. So again, private money for mortgages, which is the number four com and now back to the show and now back to the show yeah and so when, when you're working you know with with real estate investors and there's all different types like you said flips and burrs and all different types of strategies that they're investing on what are some of the options that you know are specific for real estate investors that you can provide for them or, or that you're bringing as an option to them okay i mean obviously we have to every deal can be different and is different but for instance, I have uh, lenders that will look at the after repair value. That's key. That if they can, if they're comfortable to see that you're going to be profitable once you buy it, renovate it, and either whether you're going to refinance it or sell it, either way. Or and as I suggest to a lot of people, at that point you might even bring in a joint venture partner. Don't do it beforehand. Do it after you've done the rentals. So so you can come in with a lower down payment. I mean, I have, I have uh, a couple lenders actually that will let you come in with $10,000 down payment, another one with $20,000 down payment, others with like say 40,000 minimum down payment, but they'll give you better terms um, of being able to uh, um, uh, capitalize your fees in there, plus um, do a partial balloon payment as opposed to having to pay your monthly payments. Again, looking at uh, as long as they feel secure because of the type of property and the location, um, all of that still needs to get vetted mm, properly. Absolutely. And, you know, obviously there's there's newer investors listening to this and then there's investors with large portfolios. And I think, as, you know, the, the more that you do this, the easier it likely is going to be to get private money because you've got other assets and you've got other things that they can leverage on. But how does somebody that's brand new and they have a deal that is a burr or a flip, you know, how do they get private lending or private money if they, you know, let's just say they have only $50,000. Is that, is that an option for them? Okay. That's a great question because it is and depends on the property. And we look at, that's why what I'm really, really suggesting to people these days is don't try and make that assessment and then call for a mortgage. Call, let's brainstorm together before you even put an offer in on it. And, and then I can give you some other suggestions or ideas um, because let's face it, a couple people brainstorming the same things, you can come up with different scenarios. Um, but especially somebody brand new trying to figure all this out. Um, 
I'm going to ask them a ton of questions about themselves. What kind of, like you say, if they have $50,000 up front, there's, they may think they don't have access to other money, but by the questions I'm going to ask, we'll assess that further. Um, also to show them how much they could afford to do then. If they only have 50, where they should be looking and what they can afford to do. Are they, I mean, it's getting tougher now with the lower amounts because as we know, the market's nuts, it's gone crazy, um, but the deals are still out there. I am seeing some incredible deals come across my desk. Yeah, and Susan, you mentioned obviously the speed and, and like basically how rapid things are going and being able to, to get those those deals that are out there and there are still opportunities and 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 uh plenty of them out there what what can you know what can somebody that's looking for the private money you said you asking them a lot of questions getting them to know but what's something that they can stock prepare so that when they're coming to look for that money they they already know the questions that you're going to ask or or have those things prepared that most private money lenders will want to have you know information about well, what are the top few things that you know, every investor should have ready to go. So when they're looking for private money, they can say, okay, check, check, check. This is what I need to have prepared so I can have access to it. Good question. Or because when it comes time for them to get the mortgage, we don't have time to go through everything. I'd rather have them prepared. So that's why that initial discovery call is critical. And during that time, I'll also then send them uh, what I need from them, which most people, it doesn't matter where I'm taking, what lender I'm going to, you're always going to need an application. So get that out of the way. Let's put that, you know, get it done. Um, have your consent ready for your, uh, for to pull your credit. I am not pulling credit on people until it's time. Okay. But again, so that we're prepared. Um, documents that you need. Um, and for anyone listening that's new to this space, it's not near as uh, involved as it is with the banks. Uh, in many cases, all I need sometimes is just your notice of assessments. Um, but I also need to show a lender uh, that you can service the loan. We need to see that you have the capability to pay the monthly payments. Okay, and so that's again why I wanna have the discussion up front because if you can't do that, I ne we need to kind of pivot and go, okay, then I'm not going to take you to lender A, let's look at lender B. And I, because I know all these different lenders, what they'll allow. Other things that, uh, that they'll need. Sometimes we'll need an appraisal on properties and sometimes we don't. So that's something that in that initial discussion, knowing where, what they're doing, uh, where they're looking at. But let's face it, if they're doing ones that are going to have bidding wars, which I don't know any that aren't now, <laughs> Um, they have to be prepared up front. Mm -hmm. So even if it means you don't have a property, you call, we book a discovery call so that I can get to know you, you get to know me mm -hmm. to Absolutely. see where I can help. And no, I, that's okay. So, so you yeah, mentioned sorry. deals, you, you're mentioning that you're seeing some great deals. I mean, like Alfonso said, and I agree, there's always deals to be had. I, I'm just curious though, like where, so you're seeing lots of deals come through are you seeing them often just off market, like people canvassing themselves, buying from wholesalers? Like, you know, when you're seeing these awesome deals, you know, obviously on MLS, there's, there's 10, 20, 30, 30 deals or uh, offers per, per property right now. What, like, what are you seeing? Well, I am seeing both, but I'll be honest, I'm seeing a lot through realtors because a lot of people are looking for that lower price at the beginning, instead of looking at how they can 
increase the price, give the lift on the property. Um, there's one that just recently was done. Um, uh, I forget what they, they paid. I think three nine, uh, no, four something, four something for it. 490, 490. And they turned around and in the end, they didn't even end up doing rentals and had their realtor put it right back on the market Amazing. and they made 170,000. Mm-hmm. You know, so, uh, but there's, I, I could, yeah, we could spend the whole time going through the deals if I had them all, you know, lined up to show you the numbers. But, um, but yes, but then I have clients that, that are getting frustrated because they're putting offers in we're going through them beforehand. They're ready to pull the trigger. And then somebody scoops them out from under them because of the bidding war. But what I'm, the biggest thing that I want to, that I try and show people is let's look at the highest price you can go in with and still make a profit. And we need to run those numbers together, like to really look at it closely. Um, and some people are still nervous to push that. And then they're frustrated because they didn't, win the bid it's like well you gotta know like there's one right now that i'm actually looking at it's listed for 7.99 um i believe it and i'm just researching it right now and it's in burlington so it's like that's unrealistic my guess is it's going to go well over a million but the it's the after repair value that right now i'm researching it's like, okay, will it go to 1.4 or 1.5? Like, you know, you just, and, and getting, knowing all your numbers before you even go in. Um, but they're out there still, and they're not just through wholesalers. We're going to take a quick break from the show. Today's podcast is brought to you by LegalSecondSuites.com. Ken Beckendam is an amazing real estate investor. He understands the process of the conversion inside and out. And he has built one of the largest by volume design build firms in the GTA that specializes in legal multifamily conversions, anywhere from two to 15 units. And he's been involved in either the designer or the contractor in well over 250 conversion projects, which resulted in over 600 legal dwelling units. That is a lot of legal dwelling units. And Ken and his team at Legal Second Suites, they cover everywhere from Halton, Niagara, Haldeman, Norfolk, Brant, Hamilton, London, Tri-Cities, Barrie, York, and anything in between. He's one of the few firms that can complete the entire process for you from design to construction to property management. So it's truly a one-stop shop. So reach out to Ken at LegalSecondSuites.com. Again, it is LegalSecondSuites.com. And now back to the show. And now back to the show. So for all those that are looking at this and saying, okay, great. Yeah, that's the list price. It's going to be going way over asking the after repair value. When is private money not a good idea? When I'm sure you've had plenty of people come across your desk and you're like, listen, we'd love to do this deal, but this is not the best option for you. There are other options or better, better uh, sources of funds out there. Can you give us some examples of, because some people are, are really lining up and ready to go and say, hey, I can get this private money, but when are the time that we should not be looking at uh, private money? Well, the main time that I'm seeing is that for the person, and like you say, they're anxious, they just want to buy the deal, and they are not doing their behind-the-scenes homework like they should be. So when I run all those numbers and throw them at them, they go, oh, I didn't think of that. Oh, I didn't think of that. So I'm thinking, if they had jumped into this, without getting another person's view on it prior to you know getting it under contract they'd have lost their shirt 
So, so there are times um, definitely not to, that private money won't work. Another thing when it won't work, for the person like Sarah asked a few minutes ago, if somebody only had $50,000, could they do it? Yes, they could, and there's ways we can look at it. But the person that literally has no money and wants to try and get in, private money probably won't work for them if they're doing it all by themselves. Because you have to yeah. have some skin in the game still. And that's yeah, when a joint venture do. partner I mean, can be an option, right? If they have a great deal that for whatever reason is yeah. not on the MLS, like off market or they've canvassed it and yeah. talked to the seller directly, that's probably your best bet to get in there. You know, so, so many times you see all of these like US mostly like videos of all the rah-rah about like how to get, you know, started with none of your own money and be rich quick. Like that is really, really, really difficult. And it's never get rich quick. It's usually over a lot of years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, actually, you know, it's funny. I, I get these calls all the time. I just had one this afternoon. Uh, this gentleman, he's getting the property is that with a vendor take back 80, uh, the, the seller is going to put up 80% and he's calling me for the last 20%. So you can imagine what my first question was. Do you own other properties? Because what smart lender out there is going to lend the last 20% and that person has no skin in the game? They're out there. Mm -hmm. There are ones that will do it. They're far and few between. And it's easier even if you own your primary house so that they have some, some leverage for sure. Yes. Or if it's like a slam dunk, amazing deal, like, you know, that is just even maybe even from the purchase, but but I, I, I know it, it would be tough. So, uh, you know, obviously. But you know what, Sarah, the other side to that is they don't have to own their own house, but I, and I, sorry, I cut you off when, when I thought of it. I just did one not too long ago, a, a young new investor. He's in his twenties, but his dad has okay. been doing stuff for a long time, but his dad was good enough to say, okay, you have some money, you can't do it, but I will allow my house. No, he didn't have any money. That one didn't have any money. Um, I will allow my house to be the collateral. So you see, but his dad wasn't on the deal. Like he wasn't purchasing. So, so there's just, there's so many ways you can kind of look at if somebody is open to thinking about all the opportunities. They don't have to know them. They just need to know who they should call to, to brainstorm them. And, and that's where I've made it clear to people. Um, yeah. Call me ahead of time. I spend many hours on the phone and zoom meetings with people more or less educating them so that when the right property is there, they're ready to I pull think the trigger just like that. In this market. And then Alfonso, <laughs> sorry, we're like talking at the same time, but it's more of just a comment Then Alfonso can ask his question. But I, I think as long as you have an exit strategy, like you have to know how you are exiting a deal that is costing you 12%, 15%, 8%, because you don't want to be holding that for years and years. Like these are quick deals with private money. You're in and you're out. You're doing a burr, you're doing a flip, or you're doing some kind of conversion or adding value in some way with an exit. What I worry sometimes is people are like, oh, money, free money, money at 9%, money at 15%. You don't want to be keeping that. So what is the strategy to get out of that money? And then 
you know, is it to sell or is it you're refinancing with an A lender, a B lender, like conventional financing? So just always something, and, and, you know, in a market right now that the interest rates are so low, that's great. But once things change and they will at some point, it's cyclical and rates start going up and, you know, just make sure that you have an exit strategy that makes sense and a backup exit strategy. But you know what? That story's never changed. Even when, well, we say interest rates were higher. I mean, when we say higher, what? Maybe two points? Like, you know, it's it's not as bad as as people think. But um, I, the main thing I've always told people is that you have to think about, put your lender hat on for a minute. What's a lender looking for? They first off need to know the story. And that's why it is so critical that whoever is calling for, you know, a consultation on, on it, I need the whole story. You don't give little bits and pieces because they can't really give you the real truth of what we can do for you. But the story is critical to a lender. Uh, the property, of course, we're looking at not just loan to value, where it's located, how marketable is it, um, things like that. And then, like you said, Sarah, the exit strategy. And if there is no clear exit strategy, that goes back to what Alfonso's question was, um, when is there a time that people should not be doing using private money that is that is one of them if well, i can't see that you have a good exit strategy why would i let you get into this mortgage because the last thing i want to do is see that you go into default i mean that's you just don't want that to happen yeah no that's, that's a great point and, and what i was going to say earlier was it's so important to have someone like yourself susan that acts as an advisor that's looking at the full picture it's not just about one deal you don't want to do one deal that's going to stop you from doing several right so for, for you to be in the corner of that investor and give that advice and, and share your expertise on you know what what the pitfalls might be or where the booby traps are i wanted to kind of flip the script a little bit and for those that are maybe looking to lend their money not borrow the money but to lend their money right because you know obviously it's, it's headline news it's on the cover real estate real estate real estate it's the best investment all that kind of stuff so people are you know don't want to miss the trade or don't miss want to miss the boat it's the peak of the market what are you telling investors or people that are coming to you and saying hey i want to get my money working for me i'm sick of you know the the low returns that i'm getting in my mutual funds or rsps you know I'm, i want to work with them but i don't know what to do i don't know where to go I, i'm not good at finding deals i'm i have some money that i want to lend what, what's your advice to them or how are you guiding them through that process well now things have changed for me as as my brokerage has grown um i cannot i used to be able to bring on people with even as little as fifty thousand dollars and would help them that way and we would put numerous people into one mortgage that is not working anymore because for a number of reasons it gets too costly for the borrower it gets um it gets too complicated for everybody and you can't pull the trigger as quickly okay and so um so we've now and i can only speak from my brokerage point of view when uh, lenders i get lender people call me all the time uh wanting to be lenders but now we've had to change the amounts that people can come on board with because first off mo um a lot of the business that investors need private money for is first mortgages and first mortgages are much higher now so what we've done now in order for someone to come on board as a lender we've said you need at least five hundred thousand and it used to be 50, used to be 100, then it was 300. It's just, we have to be realistic because last thing I want is for a lender to be on your list. You're, you're telling them, yeah, yeah, I'll get your money out there. And you can't, 
because they, they just don't have enough. So uh, now I know different brokerages have different rules. Um, some people are lending directly to each other. Um, and the only thing I say about that and always have, just make sure if you're the lender, that you know what you're doing. Um, because there's, it's not totally risk-free. <laughs> and it, so you need, if you're not comfortable to do it on your own, you, you should be going through a broker. And, and most brokerages, you can um, let it be known that you have funds that you want to lend, whether it's cash, whether it's RSP money, it could be RIF, it could be um, T, uh, TFSA money, any registered funds, okay? And that's a whole area in itself that, um, that people can get educated by uh, calling even the, uh, the different trust companies directly to ask them how, how, how do I get this set up if I want to put my money uh, into mortgages because it has to be through a trust company. Olympia Trust, no longer community trust because I used to be with them and I got a yeah. letter saying they're transferring everything over to Olympia and I think uh, Western Canada Trust. Uh, no. Canadian Western Trust, they're still, yeah. Yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. they're still around and then Olympia is still around. So I guess those two, right? Is there another one that I'm... Oh, there. you know what? There are lots of trust companies out there, but those are the two main ones that people work with. Got it. Those are the only two that I work with. Um but I, again, like I say, it's going back to Alfonso's question. Somebody wants to, to be a lender in that space. One huge suggestion that I would make is buy the book called The RRSP Secret um, by uh, Greg Hastritt, I think is his last name. Um, that book was written many, many years ago, but it's still as relevant today as it was then, because it's going to teach you to understand that you're now becoming the bank, whether you're using registered funds or cash, it has no bearing. The concept is in there for you to learn. Absolutely. Awesome. So we're going to pivot a little bit. And uh, one of the questions that we had that we wanted to ask you, because obviously Bill 108 in Ontario has, uh, has, has brought a lot of opportunities, I think, for investors to be able to add additional dwelling units and third units and all that good stuff. And so you talked about lending on first mortgages and, and looking at you know, $500,000 at this point for, for uh, somebody that wants to loan. What can you give us in terms of insights from private mortgages when it comes to the secondary dwelling units or additional dwelling units? Private money is definitely helpful there because you can use private funds to, to get the ball rolling. So actually, I'll use myself as an example. I'm in the midst of doing, I have a property right now that is, uh, um, I'm duplexing it. And, uh, and then once it's duplexed, then I'm looking at building um, the secondary unit. And then I will go back and get financed um, as a triplex. And even though... Try, even though for a commercial mortgage, people think of five units and above, there are ways and times that a triplex could fit in there. So, you know, that's something. But, but yeah, using the private money for, for these, that's a great solution. Why not? Why not? Now, if somebody doesn't have uh, enough equity in the property that they're going to be adding that secondary unit, then again, if they can, that's where the discovery call comes in because there's different ways we can look at how can we brainstorm to get you the funds to be able to do this because your ultimate strategy in the end is to get the whole property refinanced, including this, this new unit that you added. 
Mm-hmm, for sure. Can I, can I ask like, where you loan? Like, do you loan across Canada or do you have your specific areas? Um, it was initially just Ontario. Uh, now I can, I can loan in Alberta and BC. I mean, I'm just gradually getting, you know, that I can be in other places, but I also have avenues that I can loan outside Canada. So it's changing. Other things that are changing with, I don't know how many people are into cryptocurrency, you know, and following uh, blockchain and stuff like all of these issues impact private lending in a positive way. So it, it makes it, that's a whole topic in itself, right? That, that you could be uh, talking about the person. Uh, I've done a couple mortgages now where the person, their only asset was to, was Bitcoin. And A lenders, B lenders don't like that. But in the private space, that kind of thing, it's, it's changing. And I'm working hard to make it more um, available to people and and for you and those that have uh, cryptocurrency to see how that can work into the deal could that work into that that was part of their down payment things like that the private world's a totally different world than the banks yeah I, that's that's pretty interesting as things evolve and continue to change um you know I, maybe this is too early to ask this question but have you done any private lending on uh digital real estate like, you know, in the metaverse or anything like that? Or has there been any talk or anything like that within the brokerage? Because I know people are now buying virtual houses and virtual, somebody, I think Stoop Dog's neighbor's house sold for a million dollars on the metaverse. I don't know, that's crazy to me, but I'm not sure if you've you've, uh, you've had any of that, kind of those types of questions yet. Um, It's, the whole concept is definitely being talked about and being looked at. but what I'm noticing is that many uh, people in the mortgage industry, in the mainstream of your A and B lenders, um, I'm not saying have their head in the sand, but they're not listening to it the same. But I am definitely listening to it because I know lots of private lenders, like it does, like I say, because um, you're dealing with an individual lending their money and an individual needing their money. And if both of them, are savvy in cryptocurrency hey bob's your uncle as time moves on and especially understanding more where blockchain's gonna help with things actually i hate to say it but i think the whole concept moving forward and i'm learning as i go here i think it's really going to put a lot of us mortgage brokers out of business down the road as well as um take away a lot of business that lawyers do right now because you won't need that second you know that middleman the same way but it's it, it's very interesting i'm very i don't know how i got onto this but it's uh it, i think for all of us to keep to keep it in mind that uh, you know uh, moving forward with um the cryptocurrency is going to impact the real estate industry period it is it is interesting and you know i can't smartly speak about it i just haven't done enough research yet but it is it is actually very intriguing to hear you know professional like yourself you know combining the two and you're right it it's if this if the you know borrower and the lender agree and they agree yeah. on the terms and they agree on the how and all of that stuff then i mean you know you're kind of just facilitating the introduction i guess in a way right well yeah but there's i mean it does get more complicated in some aspects, depending on what they want to do, because, you know, when you're taught, um, 
with once it hits the lawyers and so forth. So it's it's still in its infancy, mm -hmm. but I totally believe it's going to. Um, there's lots of room for for the real estate industry to benefit from cryptocurrency. Well, absolutely, we have to be you know aware of it. Um, you know, I'm sure years ago when. You know, when those right club rooms, we were talking about different ways in investing and all those types of things that seem foreign or, uh, you know, unique. And look, now now it's it's becoming very common. And I've heard of the recently is 25% of purchases now these days are for investors or, you know, at least that's what the government's touting anyway. Uh, but uh, but yeah. Susan, it's, it's amazing that, you know, you, you're giving that advice. You're, you're sharing that knowledge and, and you're learning and researching along the way as well yeah. and putting those pieces together. But uh, at this stage of the podcast, I think we're ready for the lightning round. So Susan, are you ready to get into the lightning round? Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this week's lightning round is brought to you by Butler Mortgages, Canada's number one mortgage brokerage three years in a row. If you need a great mortgage broker to help you with investing in real estate or to help you purchase your next home, reach out to Daniel Patton and Michael Zanzini from Butler Mortgages. You can do that by calling 905-569-8326 or toll free at one 888 and check out their website, butlermortgages.com or by email daniel.patton at butlermortgages.com or michael.zanzini at butlermortgages.com. And let's go to the lightning round. All right. So here's question number one, Susan, what is the best advice that you have ever received from another investor or at a networking event? Mm, best advice. I'm going to go right back to the very, very beginning that just get involved be um no that i received uh yeah what's the best like have you ever you know gotten some advice from a mentor or somebody at a networking event or another investor that you're like oh wow this is awesome or i mean it could be any advice that you want to share with us at school too uh okay so so really to not just get hung up on there's only one way to do real estate because as people get started, right? This maybe start off. Well, Sarah, you did start off just buy and hold, right? Mm -hmm. We start there, but to recognize, oh my gosh, the like the sky's the limit of so many different ways to be involved in making money from real estate and be open-minded to that. Love it. Love it. Great answer. Question number two, what is your favorite resource for a real estate investor? And that could be anything, a book, training, a person, you know, an event, favorite resource? I still like to read. My favorite resource is still reading, but it doesn't have to be a book. It could be reading things um, uh, through, you know, different social media and stuff. But I don't think, I honestly, that's a tough one, um, Alfonso, because I think it's a combination of everything. You have to really be open. Like uh, you learn from other people, you learn to, to protect yourself from things that other people say as well, right? You're learning from books, you're learning from doing. I mean, if you're gonna read things, if you don't put it into action, it didn't do you any good. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't really answer that clearly. No, I mean, I, it's, it's <laughs> reading. I mean, obviously what you put in between your two ears is critical and that establishes your mindset and your education yeah. and all of that good stuff. So it is a great answer. Number three, Susan, what is the one attribute in your opinion that has made you most successful? 
Um, I would say is that I am very open-minded and I do not st stop learning. I mean, I've been investing in real estate for many, many years in different capacities and it's constantly changing. And if you're not changing with it or open to other concepts than what your initial belief is, I think you're going to get left behind. So, and I still feel that way. Yeah, absolutely. Got to keep reinventing, keep, uh, keep learning and keep going. So last question, what do you do on a typical Sunday morning? What are you getting up to? What does your Sunday morning look like? These days, it's all the same. <laughs> it's oh, during the pandemic. Uh, no, I mean, I just like to think of my Sundays to chill out, to relax, uh, to not be, you know, filling my brain with, uh, with real estate, with um, mortgages, you know, because I could be working 24 seven and I have to say, just calm down. And I just um, might go out for breakfast, um, with friends, I just might relax and I sleep in. Okay. Awesome. Sounds, sounds awesome. Susan, where can the right club nation reach out and find out more or borrow or loan money with, uh, with your company? Uh, well, I mean, as I said at the beginning, my mortgage um, brokerage is called private money for mortgages with the number four. Um, and so the website is the same.com. Um, you're probably best to get a hold of me through the website. Everything's on there. I also on there have a free download for people on uh, a guide to private mortgages. So it starts off the conversation, especially for somebody that is new to the whole concept, which let's face it, it you know, many people have no idea how important private money can be for their real estate journey. So Amazing, Susan. And I'm on social media. Yeah, of course. Of course. And and thank you so much, Susan, for, for being such an amazing member of the Right Club community. You've been a huge support to many of our members, to definitely uh, ourselves as the founders as well, too. And uh, yeah, for all those, get in touch with Susan. She's been great. Thank you for everything that you do in the real estate community and uh, looking forward to many more chats down the line. All right. Thank you. And thanks so much for having me, you guys. Thanks, Susan. Okay. Take care. That was awesome. Alfonso, I mean, Susan is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to private money. I mean, that is what she does. If you have money to loan, if you have money that you want to borrow, if you want to figure out how you can get your next deal, reach out to Susan. She's got many options, many lenders, and uh, you know, many different avenues that uh, she can help you maneuver through the financing and the private financing along the way. Alfonso, any key takeaways that you want to share as we wrap up? Yes, absolutely. You know, having a trusted advisor, somebody that can walk you through the path of borrowing private money, getting that exit strategy, having all that stuff prepared. So when you are out there and you are looking for that deal and you can feel confident in those numbers, even how she described, what's the maximum you can pay, figuring all that out, practicing, don't practice on real deals because you might lose them or get into a situation where it's really tough to get out of. So having that knowledge, having that information, getting on that call with her way before you need that money. That's the biggest takeaway that I could probably share and, you know, go back and listen to that. It's so important. Have those conversations being ready so that when the time does come, you're right there, you're ready to go and you're feeling confident to move forward and not, you know, unsure or maybe saying, Hey, do I need this or do I not? Or maybe rushing through steps that maybe get you into trust and trouble. So yeah, definitely uh, use, use Susan as a trusted advisor and, uh, and, and reach out to her. And make sure that you have an exit strategy for the money that you are borrowing. You don't ever want to be caught with expensive money for a very long time. So these are quick entrances, quick exits, 
you do want to have an exit. Is it to sell? Is it to refinance? What it is? What is it? And then have Susan come up with your plan and, uh, and the best lender for that. On that note, Alfonso, thanks for being my co-host. What do we say to the Right Club Nation? Customize your life. Thanks for listening to the Right Club Podcast, where the focus is on helping all levels of real estate investors advance to the next level and help you customize your life. Be sure to tune in next week at rightclub.com slash podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you get a few seconds, please rate the podcast wherever you're listening. It helps the show get noticed by others like you, and we truly appreciate it. And don't forget to subscribe.